This episode of Behind the Bliss is made possible by our generous donors. If you love our show and would love to join our patrons, head over to BehindTheBlissPodcast.com and click Give, or head to www.patreon.com forward slash Behind the Bliss. Thanks! Welcome to the Behind the Bliss Podcast, where Mary Scott Mercer and Rachel Autry bring weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. Today's episode is so exciting and I cannot wait to tell you all about it. Mary Scott and I sit down with New York Times bestselling author Stacey Eldridge. If that name sounds familiar to you, it's probably because you've read one of her books or one of her husband's books, either Captivating, Wild at Heart, or maybe her new book that we're diving into today, Defiant Joy. We cover lots about her book, but more specifically dive into what defiant joy is, what it means to be joyful in the midst of all kinds of circumstances, and the difference between happy and joy. It was such an honor to sit down with Stacy, who has influenced both Mary Scott and I's personal life and has been such an inspiration to many people all over the world selling over 3 million copies of all of her books. But Stacy is not only just an author, she has several other incredible ministries that we're going to dive into what they are and how you can get involved and be blessed by them. So without further ado, here is Stacy Eldridge. Hey Stacy. Hi there. We are so excited to have you. I feel like we mentioned Captivating, Wild at Heart, all of your other books so often and very frequently on the podcast. So to have you here is such a treat. We are so excited. Thank you. I'm really glad to be with you guys. Yay. Well, Stacy, can you just take a minute and kind of give us a peek into your day today and where you are and your season of life, and then we'll jump into your new book, Defiant Joy. Great. I am sitting at the kitchen table with my first cup of coffee, but not my last. <laughs> and my husband's just left the country to do a wild heart boot camp in Australia. So I'm going to have a couple of days alone, but my, all my sons and their wives and their children live within 15 minutes of me. So that is wonderful. I'll see a lot of them today. I've got meetings, um, meetings and interviews. The last one starts at five o'clock tonight. Wow. So that's going on. And then um, what's really going on for me in my heart is that our beloved dog, my faithful companion, got sick suddenly last week out of the air, lightning in the sky, and we had to put him down. Oh, Stacy, that is so sad. Oh, we're so sorry, especially the week of Thanksgiving. Right. And then, and then you, it was two days before Thanksgiving and our family was pretty somber for Thanksgiving, but it was also pretty holy and tender. And so today I am, I am not crying and, um, that's where you're finding me today. Hey, this is behind the bliss for a reason. So we are so grateful that even with all that going on, you still are here with us and so excited to talk about your joy, which seems to be pretty appropriate for the season you're walking through. Yes. So you recently, excuse me, I got a little frog in my throat. You recently released a new book called Defiant Joy, Taking Hold of Hope, Beauty, and Life in a Hurting World. And Rachel and I were both really blessed to be able to get a copy of your book in advance before just to get a little reading in um, before we could have this conversation. And I've just continued to find myself thinking what an appropriate message for um, where we are today in our world and in our culture. Um, And just probably all of us on a personal level 
level because I know the holidays can bring so much joy, but also so much sadness for, you know, who's not with us and things we might have walked through in the last year and just, you know, the desire for, you know, life to change and things like that. And so I have just been really personally blessed by this book. And I was just curious, what like season were you in and what drew you to write this message for us? Like take us back a little bit and just kind of tell us a little bit about where this book was born. Okay, good. It actually came out of a really painful season of my life. And I really, really wish that those just ended. Like, okay, the painful season was from January to August 2016. And then that was it. Right. Um, There's a reason why your podcast is called Behind the Bliss. Like, we're meant to know bliss. We're meant to live in it. We're called to it. Like, we know it internally that we're supposed to have it. And yet, it is at best elusive. And then we touch on it. And so the year that I wrote this, bliss was nowhere to be found. It was a year of profound loss. Wow. We, uh, we lost uh, a brother and then we lost our first grandson to an excruciating miscarriage. Um, we lost our best friend to leukemia we suffered a betrayal from somebody who was very close to us. And you know how painful those are. I think everybody does because, yeah. And then in the midst of that, I was having the most severe physical pain I've ever had in my life. It was nine months in of before it was finally diagnosed that I needed a total hip replacement before it was chiropractors and physical therapy and canes and not being able to stand to cook or laundry or go to the mailbox. And, so finally, the correct diagnosis was helpful, but it was all all happening at the same time. And um, sometimes, literally, Rachel, Mary Scott, I would be found by my husband on the floor in our bathroom, just sobbing, sobbing into the carpet. Wow. And, and it wasn't just the pain of it, although that was enough. It was the accusation that was heaped upon me as well that I wasn't living very well in it. Mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't handling this very well. And, um, and so to be met there by the invitation of God to come and press in and know him more deeply because I believe the scriptures are true. Right. And these, these crazy promises of God to believe him and to believe a great good is coming at all times. Um. I found to come to know him more deeply in those truths and to rest in them. Jesus says we can have joy at every moment. He says we're called to it. And if we're called to it, it's possible. Right. Yeah. If it's a spirit, then we're meant to know it. If it's the heartbeat of heaven, then I want to be that connected to God. Wow. And so the book was, was birthed excruciatingly, as many births are. Out of, out of pain and loss and suffering and a desire to know God more deeply in the midst of that. Wow. Um, so many thoughts. I, I can't agree more. I think Rachel and I, unfortunately and fortunately to have each other, both walked through seasons of pain at similar ages and in seasons in our marriage where we both lost parents at the same time. And I think both of us would say that we – you know, in hindsight, you know, everything is hindsight 2020, you know, um, where in the middle of it, it was horrible. But now, like in a season where it seems, quote unquote, better, you know, we don't know the Lord as much. And you said um, on page 20, I'm just going to read a little bit of this, that suffering is an essential part of our life. And it is when we are in the very midst of suffering that God reminds us that the absent 
absence of suffering is not for our good. The presence of God is our good. And knowing his presence in the pain is the sweetest gift of all, which really just says um, to me that, you know, if if we are meant to have joy and we are allowed to have and experience it as the fruit of a spirit, then then really Jesus is the prize and that is where our true joy comes from, which is why we can access it all the time. Um, is that what you have found just in this journey and especially as writing this book? Yes. Yes. I love how you said that Jesus is the prize. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really the sustainer of our lives. Um, and, and I think that out there, there's this undercurrent, this message that if we're living well, if we're following Jesus, if we're believing him, then we're not going to encounter suffering right, or sorrow or have hard times. And that is so contrary to what the Bible teaches. It just makes me furious, actually, because yeah. it keeps on accusations of people. And then when someone does experience any kind of grief or turmoil, they're thinking it's punishment or because of something they had done wrong, which in fact is not true either. And it just could be life is life. and But we have been given the freedom and the permission for joy, even in the midst of sorrow. Right. Right. And we have a comforter and we have a hope as the anchor to our soul. So so I want to clarify that joy, as I write about it, um, I'm not talking about happiness on steroids. Right. I'm not. I mean, sometimes you're just your heart explodes with happiness and we call it joy. And I think it's true. So I think it can be a little confusing. But the joy I'm writing about is the joy that's rooted and grounded in the truth of Christ. And that's connected to the heart of God. It's a different substance. Right. It's not um, it's not like after you lost your parents, you started singing and skipping around the house. It's it's not like that. But it can be this deep rooted thing that says, I mean, even with my dog who I love, it's like I, I believe I believe that creatures are in heaven. So my faith <laughs> says I'm just gonna welcome me when I get there. So um, I have hope or for my, my grandson, you know, I'm, I'm going to know him very, very well. And the truth is that this life as rich and full and all encompassing as it is, is fleeting mm-hmm. and eternity. That's life unending. So to know in the midst of whatever, and so much is always going on, but to know that we have a God who loves us, who's present in the moment and who has made plans for us that are good they are always coming. That That's it. That's the secret. Oh, I love it. So to just recap really quickly for anyone that's listening that might not have a grasp on the difference of happiness and joy, what's your quickest, most spark notes version of describing the difference between the two? Ah, joy is, okay. Happiness is rooted in circumstances. Mm-hmm. Joy is rooted in eternity. That's so good. Yes. That's so good. You got it. I love it. I I would even say that we are like in this place in like social media and culture where there's this like, um, you know, your happiness is a choice and you can choose to make your life better and all these things. But to me, that sounds like it's based on what I do and my choices to make my life better. And so it's it's really debilitating when things that are painful and horrible come into your life that weren't based on you at all um, because they weren't based on your decision kind of like that I think I've heard you talk about the name it and claim it kind of thing like oh it's all on you and you can make the choice to be better today like how do you feel like you're seeing this as a trend and as like a huge issue um, that people are like claiming as their joy and happiness 
Well, you see it, and it's very popular. It's it's like, oh, fantastic. I knew that my life was supposed to be good. And there is this internal thing where we do know our life is supposed to be good, but we, we're not in heaven. Right. You know, not yet. And then when it doesn't work out, we either think God is failing us or we did it wrong, and we make a theology out of our disappointment. That's so good. I actually believe that God moves on this side, that we live in the favor of God as his sons and daughters, and that there is always a great good. But we have to align ourselves with his will and ask him what it is. What do you want for us? And and pray into that, absolutely. But not to not to think, like, you're not in heaven yet. Mm-hmm. And honestly, what a gift, because if we didn't, like if we had everything we needed today, then what reminder would we have for that desire of heaven? So it's honestly hope to come. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's kind of a hidden gift, which I think you said in your book too. So, um, that's so awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that Stacey. Um, when you talk about defiant joy, what, like, what does defiance mean? Like what is a daily, like would you say it's a daily choice or it's a stance or how would you describe defiant joy in in this regard? Oh, that's good. Um, defiant means to resist, to rebel, to stand against, to, to not comply, to refuse to comply. And to me, I don't want to burden people with going, oh, now you're in this really weakened place. Now you have to be really strong. It's more about aligning ourselves with the love of God and um, what's true. So for me, what it looks like in the morning, say I'm driving to work and I will I will check my heart like a dipstick into the oil of a car and pull it up and you know what am I feeling and and then beyond that, what am I believing? Mm-hmm. And because that's going to have an effect on how I'm feeling. And then do, do those things align with the Word of God? or not. And if they don't, then it means I'm going to resist the lies of the enemy. I'm going to stand against the tide of the world or the newsfeed that tells me everything is going to hell in a handbasket or, or that all of the relationships are terrible or in such places of suffering that God can't reach them. So it really means saying no to the messages of the world um, or the enemy, or even our own flesh that say, God isn't good. He's not going to come through for you. Your life is horrible. And say, um, no, mm-hmm. because the word of God is true, because I am loved. And that is the deepest reality of the universe. And that will never change. So that's where the defiance come in. And I love defiance, the word of that. going back to the grief and pain that we briefly explained to you that we've been through. And we know our listeners have been through their own version of their own grief and pain. I think the word defiant is so beautiful because in the midst of my own grieving, if I take myself back to those moments or even most recent moments, I almost feel guilt and shame having joy in the midst of tragedy, like something's wrong with me because it's so unnatural to my flesh and I want to um, be upset or wallow in it, which is okay at some points too, like check your heart like you were saying, but at the same time, feeling the permission and the defiance and the interruption of joy and the power that it has to defeat all of the, all of the sadness and like we're saying, the grief and the sorrow, I think is so beautiful. So the word defiant 
to me almost means interruption. You're not supposed to be here, but I'm so thankful that you are. You are welcome here, Joy. Ah, I love that, Rachel. Something that um, I found effective in praying in in seasons of, of grief is praying against every spirit of false weariness or false grief. Oh, because I only want my own. I only want my own. And mm-hmm. it and it will really lift. And, the, and then that makes the path for the avenue for the truth of God to come in like a fresh wind. Because yes. sorrow does, does last. It does. It is real. But joy does come in the morning. It comes. And, and maybe it comes in a whisper in the midst. Or maybe there's a whole turning of the corner. I don't know how long the night lasts for a person. But he is joy, and he will come. I've never heard borrowed grief before. I'm so thankful you said that because, oh my goodness, I think I found myself feeling that, like Rachel said, borrowed, like taking on that like shame and guilt. Like I need to be feeling this, you know, the same way so-and-so is feeling this kind of pain, and that was so good. So I'm so thankful you said that. And that joy can be our barometer rather than others being the thermostat for how we should be feeling or handling something. Defiant joy. So good. One of my favorite chapters in the whole book, it's probably chapter eight, and it's all about thieves that come. And so, mm-hmm. yes, I think that lack of joy um, could be based on circumstances, sure. But at the same time, there's other characteristics or points of conflict within ourself that bring up this um, interruption in the midst of joy, like fear, pressure, comparison. You talk about panic and anxiety and worry. Um, And one of my favorite quotes in the whole book, it says, each one stems from a mocking and doubt-filled fear that we are not enough, that our lives are not enough, even that God is not enough to handle whatever difficulty we are currently facing. And it is so true. That is what I identify with a lot is Um, anytime I'm experiencing these things, a lot of times it's because I don't think I'm handling it the right way, or it's hard to tap into that joy because I'm not doing it as well as she's doing it or all of these things. And we've heard the phrase, you know, comparison is the thief of joy, but to dig into that and say, there's more than just comparison and it's more than a comparison issue. It's really a heart issue. It's not a them thing. It's a you thing and something that you have control over to turn your heart from this fear and pressure and anxiety to a place of comfort and putting it at the feet of Jesus and saying, I can't, I can't do this. I need you to step in. I need you to intervene for me and that God can handle it. And he is the intervention and he is the one that intercedes on our behalf. And so I feel like if anyone's listening to this podcast now in this episode and you're in a place of, um, Honestly, the waves keep coming over you and you keep getting upset or attacked or find yourself in fear and confusion and pressure and all of these things. I think Stacy says it so poetically that God can handle it and he is enough and it just takes us coming to him for it. And I just want you to know that that gave me so much just relief of pressure. It was so refreshing for me to read. I'm so glad. It's just buzzing me hearing you. Like, yeah, keep going. Keep going. (laughs) Hey, I could. I really could. Um, And then one more thing that I would love for people to know about this book is you put daily prayers in the very back, which I think are so incredible just to have a structure and some kind of, I'd say bumpers for the Mm -hmm. moments and the times that you're like, I need to pray. I have no words. Right. I find myself there a lot. Like, I don't even know where to start. And these daily prayers are such a great resource for people that just need to read and just soak it in themselves and have it prayed over them or to pray this over themselves. I, I just, 
What a cool tool mm-hmm. to have that in the back of your book, Stacy. I I love it. It's been a huge um, gift to me. There's a few different prayers, and one of them is called the Daily Prayer because it's really important for us as believers, especially in the morning, to align ourselves with the truth, who we are in Christ, who Jesus really is, who we are to Him, and and you love. I love the word bumpers. Like to, to align ourselves and walk it through. It really does create a shift in our spirit. Like, okay. It's like breath. <laughs> totally. Yes. Um, Stacy, I feel like it's important to touch on the reality that, you know, we could personally be walking through a season of suffering, but what what do we do when we are watching someone we love deeply walk through that suffering by themselves? And, you know, I've personally gone to, you know, walk alongside people who are struggling. I've, you know, watched seasons of my marriage where my husband's struggling more than I am. Do you have like advice? Like what would you say to the wife or the friend or the mom who um, may not personally be dealing with this on like a personal level, but desires to deeply come alongside someone who is struggling. Do you have any thoughts on how to like, how to help like shepherd someone through a season like this? Just, just a couple. I, and I think it actually you can Google this and get it good information. But I think that the first thing to say is don't panic. Mm -hmm. Don't panic. Um, God is more at work than we know. He has not abandoned our beloveds and that it's not up to us. That's so good. It's, it's, yes. <laughs> it's really not up to us. Um, but we are called to love. And so loving will look different in different situations, but it will always look like praying for them, mm-hmm. praying for God to come, praying for, for healing, praying for ministry, praying for guidance, praying for protection, whatever it is they need. And then also just not withdrawing from the person, holding their hope, holding the confidence that this is a this is a season they're passing through and being willing to listen. Mm-hmm. People don't normally need advice, but they do need somebody to come along and just listen and hear their hearts and and ache with them while at the same time knowing even though if they're in a very dark season, but knowing that the light will come. Totally. That's That's so, so the good. hope. I, I have been the, the wife on the other side who will like see my husband struggling and maybe he like didn't read his Bible for a few days and I'm like, oh gosh, you know, this is going to turn into this horrible <laughs> thing and I'm going to have to get really controlling. And I, our pastor said yesterday when doing a marriage series um, that no one – like a husband never got saved from a nagging wife. And I was like, oh my word, I have been there because I think that fear and control taps in where we're so nervous watching our our loved ones suffer. But really, what if that's God, you know, writing the section of their story? And I just think you're right. It's not up to us. So thank you so much for shedding some light on that. That was really helpful. Right. I heard somebody say when their their son was going through a very hard time, but he said, God's creating their testimony. Mm. It's such a good reminder. That's so good. Yeah, I really liked that. But it doesn't mean that we don't actively pray. Maybe we have times of fasting for them. And there's things that we can do. But I know that when I'm afraid, I totally go to control. Mm-hmm. And it always makes things worse. Always. 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 <laughs> so uh, and our pastor at our church here says, um, God's going to make 
a message out of your mess and a testimony out of the test. That's so good. And it's so true. It's how how I have to remember, especially watching friends walk through it. Um, and then something that come, came to my mind, I actually highlighted it in chapter eight. Going to go back to chapter eight. It's just the best. I love that one. Um, you said, I tend to believe that it is my sole responsibility to help people, but then I remember God. Mm. I remember that he is good. I remember that he is a God who intervenes. He is the God of all hope. He restores what is lost. And like, I, I can't be the superwoman. And it's in the moments that I think that I can, I feel like <laughs> he totally interrupts me and reminds me, Oh yeah, I'm sorry, but this is not your job. This is not up to you. And, and what a relief it's not up to you. Oh my gosh. Imagine if we were the superwomen for all of the men or just friends in the world. Ain't no way. Couldn't uh-huh. do it. No. no. The tricky part. Like when God does, he does call us to, to partner with him. Right. And so really requires an intimacy with Jesus to know what, what's my part? What do you want me to say? Cause sometimes it's nothing. And, and then sometimes it's something. So like in all of it, in all of it, every day of our lives, um, the invitation is to come to know Jesus more deeply, to come closer to him, to listen to his voice and then follow so good it's so good and that's why we can't afford detachment like there's no No. way we can do it without him um so i have a fun question for you stacy okay when you were writing this book in the midst of it all did you find it relieving or did you find it more like was it therapeutic for you or was it more one of those you had to push yourself through because you knew that there was something great waiting at the end i want to know about the process especially while you were writing the book in the midst of it all, it wasn't a reflective book. I feel like this was very much, you were just pouring it all out there as it was happening. Most of it, yeah, you can tell, is from journaling in the midst. I didn't set out to write a book. Um, I teach once a month at our ministry center called at a place called Women at the Well. And so it is very current and it's what's going on in my life and then how Jesus is meeting me in that. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of it, was from those teachings, but the bulk of it is literally from the morning time in bed with my coffee, processing with God and writing, because that's, that's how I, that's how I function. I'm a, I like to write, I like to journal. And it wasn't till probably close to the end of that year that Jesus said, I want it to be a book. And I went, no, I didn't want it to be a book. (laughs) That gets a book. So, so that turned a corner because then it, then it became, well, how is this a book? And then becomes the, the work of, of connections and introductions and diving more deeply and all of that. So it flowed out of just processing and talking with God. And then it became a journey with him of what, what else do you want to say? That's so good. Um, Stacy, obviously we've been talking a lot about Defiant Joy, but you and your husband, John, have a ministry called The Ransom Heart, um, which also is an app that people can use on a daily basis to find encouragement. Can you talk a little bit, just a little bit about um, your ministry and some things that you all provide on a daily, a daily basis that people can partake in even outside of your books? Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So we're a ministry, like an Isaiah 61 ministry devoted to healing the brokenhearted and restoring the captives and, and, and coming to know the heart of God more fully and truly and the beauty of this heart that he has placed in each one of us as men and as women. So it's about a recovery of heart. 
And I love our app. Thanks for mentioning it. I love it too. It's great. (laughs) Weapon arsenal in your purse or your back pocket. And um, yes, there's on it. There are every everything's on it. There's uh, a daily reading that is a an excerpt from one of the books that John's written or or that we wrote together or that I wrote. Um, and then there was there is podcasts. There's a Ransom Heart podcast, and then there's also an Ann Sons podcast that is for more millennial aged, primarily men but women too. And then there's blogs, and probably. The most important thing on there are the prayers. Yes, I noticed there was more daily prayers. So good. Ah, yeah, there's me praying. And if you want to hear a woman's voice, my husband's an extended version, prayer for faith, a bedtime prayer, a life prayer. Like if you're just under it, you're feeling like death is nipping at your heels. This life prayer is powerful. A prayer for breaking curses. I mean, okay, you know, we start going out there. I had a friend who called because her mother's in the hospital and they prayed that prayer and she got to leave the hospital. It just, it left. Wow. That's so amazing. All kinds, prayer for sexual healing, all kinds of prayers. So that's really, really powerful. It's a great little tool, but even, even just, you know, the daily reading, you know, how um, sometimes I have this with Jesus calling as well, where I open it up and go, how did she know? This is exactly (laughs) where I'm at. And then I have the same experience with the daily reading and just go, oh, thank you, God. What is your favorite thing ministry-wise that you're doing right now? Because obviously you just listed a few different things that you have your hands in. Do you have something right now that gives you more life than the other? Do you love all of it? What do you think is like your thing right now? Uh-huh. Okay, so the timing of your questions is really <laughs> – I am actually entering into a sabbatical. <clears throat> okay. So – we, I do a monthly teaching at Women at the Well. I, I blog once a week. I, I do interviews. I'm doing some Facebook Lives once a week. My heart comes alive reaching women and touching women to come to know Jesus more deeply and receive healing and to know that nothing needs to be added to them in order to receive the love of God. Mm-hmm. That's like, yeah. you know, when a woman gets that, fireworks go off in my heart. Um but there's also a, a rhythm to life and I'm entering into a rhythm where I'm going to be at rest. So, which is kind of crazy right around Christmas time, but kind of paring down a little bit, not teaching. And um, that is awesome. I'm really excited about that. And I need it. because I just, I just look down and I have my shirt on inside out. So <laughs> that's when you know. Hey, that's behind the post for you. I love it. I love it. We actually had an episode where a photographer came on and she talked about taking a whole month off of photography and what that sabbatical looked like for her and the rest and all of that. So you are not alone in it. And I don't know, Mary Scott, we might need to do seasons or something and take a little sabbatical. Real. Well, I was going to say, how have you had like baby sabbaticals or like rhythms of rest in your day-to-day life as a mom and a wife and a ministry uh, co-leader and all of that and up until now like what have been certain rhythms and daily rituals that you've implemented that you felt like really allowed for you know all of it to remain healthy well I think um, I'm not alone in this and being really terrible at it uh, me too so- <laughs> me three <laughs> So I I have time with God every morning and I protect that. That's essential. And then I have one day a week that I protect. It's written down as Jesus day. And I can't tell you 
how many times crises come up on that day? Of course. They just, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So it's something you have to fight for. So for me, it's silence and solitude. It's extended times in worship. And, um, and it's also getting away. I do need a day, a retreat. And I'm also at the season of life where once a year I go away for two weeks by myself. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, what is your, do you know your Enneagram number by any chance? I'm curious if that has anything to do with the desire for solitude. I, I think it's a, I think I'm a two. Which one's the helper? Yeah, that's I mean, what I am. I I'm a two. two. I'm a two. So I bet it's really hard for you to like give yourself permission to go away by yourself with because everyone has to have Stacy. Everyone has to need her, you know. It's, oh gosh. It's a source of weariness too. So I wanna stay in. I have this thing on my computer that says, When you're tired, don't quit. Rest. Mm, and yeah. and that's what sabbatical is for. It's like I, I don't wanna not do this anymore. I want to be able to do it with my passionate heart as a wholehearted lover of God. And I feel myself going, that is not my, I'm not zealous right now. I just desperately need rest. So it's earlier to bed these days, our evenings. Now we really do like play two or three worship songs, laying on the floor, lighting a candle and, um, and our guys, they come and go our children. I was in the middle of it. My son came in last night to come play video games, (laughs) but but it's just, it's just like, it really has to be fought for. And, and, and for my husband, I will say that it, it is outdoor time. It means for him going for a hike or a walk. Oh, that um, is so my Thomas. My husband, he, wow, loves the recreational activity. That's rest to him. He's like, let's go on a run or like, let's go bowling. I'm like, that is not, no, <laughs> rest for me is watching a movie. Are you kidding? Right. So I guess it just depends. And yes, being able to love other people and their rest too is something I'm learning. Right, right. And if you're married, like to give permission to your husband to go because they come back as better men. Like it's like, yeah. yes, give them they need some yeah. space. It's a great reminder. Fun little question for you, Stacy, about the book. Going back to the book real quick. What was your favorite chapter to write or what was the hardest chapter to write? What chapter stood out to you? Or maybe not even chapters, let's say section. What part of the book was something that stuck out in either a really refreshing favorite kind of way or a challenge? You know, I really like the places where it gets beautiful. There's a couple of places that are gold for me. And, and it's like describing the seasons. I really like that. Um, The rhythms and rest. How interesting (laughs) section and the signs all around us and how, how our lives mirror nature, how the, how nature is speaking to us. I really like that. Um, I, I, I like, yeah, so I really love nature. I like writing about that. And um, <clears throat> I like a lot in the book, but my favorite chapter is chapter 12, which is the last chapter. So you have to get there. <laughs> I know, you've got to get there. We're almost through it. That's so funny. Yeah, it's funny you say your favorite thing to write about was obviously natures and rhythms and all the patterns that Lord created. Cause I feel like that's a lot of what captivating was for me too, especially the first chapter and relating us to pinnacle of creation. Mm-hmm. Women yeah. that is, um, yeah. I mean that has rocked my world and has come up in probably four of our 20 something episodes. That is so beautiful. And that word Azer Kinetko that we're created as a life saver mm-hmm. and a counterpart. Mm-hmm. How, yeah. how 
right? How essential women are for the kingdom of God and that we're meant to do it in community. Like, so good. Oh, so good. So I know. And there's no, like you said, there's nothing you have to add to make us the way we're supposed to be. We are just the way we are supposed to be, which is so beautiful. That could be a whole nother podcast episode. <laughs> this is strange to plug another book, but after Captivating, we wrote a book on marriage and then I wrote a book called Becoming Myself. I've heard about this. I have not read it though. It's like Captivating Next. And then in Captivating, we do go into the healing of our relationship with fathers. And then Becoming Myself, I go into healing relationships with our mothers. Mm. Um, But it is so much the message of what you just said. Like, we're meant to be ourselves. There's only one us ever in all the ever creation. And that's, we're not meant to try to be someone else. We're meant to become the fullness of who God created us to be. So good. Mm -hmm. So good. Thank you for talking about that. We're both going to have to get that and we'll add it to our show notes for sure so that everyone who's listening um, can get a hand or get their, get one of those in their hands. I totally lost my words there for a second. Um, Okay, Stacey, let's switch gears a little bit. And we we close every episode just wanting to hear really fun things from um, from our interviewee, some things that you're loving, some things that you are reading or cooking or looking forward to, anything along those lines. Oh, that's fun. So I am a fiction girl. Okay. I know I write nonfiction, but I love fiction and I learn so much from it. So I just read a couple of really good books. Ooh, Where the Crawdads Sing. I liked that one. Okay. And who is that by? Who is that by? I don't know. It's okay if you don't know. We can figure it out. Yeah. And then the other one I just read was From Sand and Ash which is about World War II, um, Italy. Oh, I love World War II. I'm going to have to read that one. If you love that one, have you read The Nightingale? Oh, it's amazing. Best book. <laughs> it's amazing. I cried oh. my whole through oh, it's, it. It's glorious. It's glorious. It's so good. Okay, Sarah's Key. Did you read that one? No. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to get all of these. Yeah, okay. That one is a weeper, but that's a real high-quality book. And then I love the um, the – kite runner and where the sun rises which was that where the i don't know the one about the sun and is all about women i i love those kinds of books what i'm looking forward to we have family dinners every tuesday night that's awesome and uh, this tuesday i'm making a pumpkin bread bourbon whipped cream candied pecans trifle Are you serious? Does that not sound amazing? Oh, my word. It takes me straight back to Thanksgiving. I'm about that. But maybe better. Thanksgiving elevated. (laughs) Right. Right. So they don't know this. I've got these healthy, healthy children. So they they rarely are they going to eat sugar, but it's going to look so good. I'm sure I'm going to tempt some of them. You're going to have to put a picture on online somewhere. Do you, speaking of that, where can people find you? Do you, I don't think you're on Instagram, but you said you had a Facebook page, right? I am on Facebook, okay. Stacey Eldridge Facebook. I know I'm supposed to do Instagram, but I'm 59 years old and I haven't been able to figure it out. At this point, you're probably better off without it. Let's be <laughs> real. We're all should probably take some time off of it. <laughs> okay, good. And then um, there's a Defiant Joy page, but that pretty much is, is looking up the information on the book and some blogs um, are on there. And then, of course, at ransomtart.com, we do a women's retreat two a year on captivating which are powerful encounters with God. We've got one coming up in April 
of next year. So that's find out information on that at ransomtart.com. Uh, yes, Mary Scott. Sounds like a trip. Sounds like we need to go, girl. I think we should. I think we'd love it. Thank you. Love it. I think we would too. Stacey, you have no idea. But like, honestly, an answer to prayer this is and above and beyond, honestly, all that we could ever ask or imagine for this show and just having you on to speak your wisdom, to share about this incredible book that people need to get their hands on ASAP and touching on books that we've been inspired by and encouraged by in the past. I mean, this has been such a treasure. I can't even explain to you how thankful that we are that you took the time at, you know, yes. early in the morning with only yeah, one we're gonna, cup of coffee. We're going to pray you get your second cup after this. I'll get my second cup, but you are delightful women. Oh, this is really you. been a pleasure so sweet. Really, really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me as a guest. Thanks, Stacey. Gosh, that was such an incredible episode. It is such an honor for Rachel and I to have gotten the chance to sit down with Stacy after being super influenced by her and her husband's books and ministry. Speaking of, make sure to download the Ransom Tart app for daily podcasts, prayers, and devotionals, as well as a copy of all of Stacy's books, but of course her new book, Defiant Joy. Rachel and I both had the opportunity to get our hands on the book, and we both thoroughly enjoyed it. As always, we are beyond grateful for all of your kind words and reviews. If you have a few seconds today, would you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? Reviews are so helpful for those who may have never heard about us, find our show, and be encouraged on this side of the internet. You can find everything that we talked about in today's episode on our show notes at BehindTheBlazePodcast.com. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you next week.